Good morning. My name is David. I'm the site pastor here at Grace Covenant in Sterling. It's good to see you today. Merry Christmas. You guys feeling Merry Christmas yet? Are you, are you there? Or you're just seeing the decorations and your heart hasn't lined up with it yet. Kind of there. Still putting up decorations. Not done yet. Boxes are still out. I'm still a little, a little frustrated. Okay. Just needed to get a, just needed to figure out where you guys are. Um, hey, I want to thank everybody who fasted and prayed this last week. Uh, we had our uh, fasting and praying for three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And we concluded with a, with a great worship and prayer service uh, at uh, the Ridgetop Coffee location and um, there in Sterling. And, and it was just a, it was a meaningful, rich time. And, and uh, I just, I, I, my heart was so stirred uh, for the community, for the people that, um, that I know. It was stirred for the people that I don't know. And uh, I just felt like I was really blessing our, our efforts. Now, what's cool about prayer is that whether or not we feel like it, uh, whether or not we, we have stirred feelings and emotions, we can be certain that God's moving because he promises that he hears us. He promises that he moves according to our prayers and, and he promises that he's going to answer our prayers. And so uh, even if you don't, even when you didn't feel it, you know that he's faithful to do it. It's just kind of nice when you get to feel it too, right? So, you know, on a Sunday morning, maybe when we're, when we're worshiping and, and you're worshiping and you're saying the words and you're believing them and you're stating them and you're, you're, you know, you're as emphatic as you can be, but maybe your, your heart isn't stirred. It doesn't mean that the worship's not working because worship isn't for us. Worship is for God. And every once in a while we, we get, we get to enjoy it. Right. And it's nice when we get to enjoy it, but really it's about being pleasing to God and lifting something up to God for God. Uh, and, um, what a, what a great opportunity. So thank you for praying. We're also going to be fasting in January. And so you can start preparing now. I don't know how you want to prepare. Um, you know, <laughs> if you're going to start by depriving yourself of a little bit, right? So you're used to a little bit of sacrifice, or if you're going to go the other direction and be like, free calories because I'm not eating for a few days in January. Uh, whichever way you decide to go, I understand. <laughs> um, we're going to continue our Advent series today, and we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1. Uh, we're really going to, we're going to be talking about an, un- an unsung hero in the nativity story, in the account of the birth in, of Jesus Christ. And um, we're going to be looking at today primarily at the life of Joseph, uh, Jesus's adoptive earth, earthly father. And uh, he's, he's often overlooked um, because he's not the Virgin Mary, who's very celebrated. Um, some, some faiths even go so far as to say she was completely without sin and that, and, and that she ascended into heaven. We don't, we don't believe that. Uh, we do believe that she's highly favored, that God chose to use her for a very awesome task of bringing Jesus, you know, kind of as a bridge between eternity and the time that we live in now. Um, but she's, she's not divine. She's not without sin. Every person, including Mary sinned. The only person who didn't sin was Jesus. And that's what made him the worthy sacrifice. That's what made it possible for him to stand in the gap for us. That's what made it possible for Jesus to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to die for your sins because I don't have any sins of my own to die for. Um, if Mary hadn't sinned, she could have done it. And, uh, we wouldn't have, this remarkable season. We'd be celebrating Mary's birth um, right now. And we're not. So um, so we're going to look at uh, Matthew chapter 1. If you could stand to your feet. I'll go ahead and uh, today I'll do the reading um, as you stand to your feet. Because you've already read it once mostly. 
Um, but we're looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. I lied. I want you all to, I want you all to read it. There, there's something that happens. There's something that happens when you hear something come out of your mouth. Right? And, and this might be the first faith language and the faith first biblical language and the first spiritual language that's come out of your mouth. Maybe you've, maybe you've said stuff before. Maybe it's been uncomfortable for you, but it's an opportunity to hear your voice saying things that God inspired. And I know I've said a whole lot of things that I've inspired and I regret many of them, but I never regret speaking God's words. And so, uh, let's read this together. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25, quite a bit of reading. I'm not going to read it because I'm going to stay on the microphone. I'm not going to mute my microphone this week because it makes the podcast go blank. So I want them to hear you saying it. So just find somebody whose cadence you like and hopefully we end up together. <laughs> Actually, I'll start off with this. Are you ready? Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this. We thank you for your word to us so that we could know your expressed heart and mind. We can learn about you. We can be transformed as we approach you. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand what you're doing and what you desire to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to talk about a few things today where today's sermon was brought to you by the letter P. <laughs> we're going to talk about a plan. And we're going to talk about a problem. We're going to talk about a proposition. We're going to talk about a promise. And I might throw in a bonus P if we get lucky. So these first 17 verses preceding what we read today was a, is, a, is the genealogy of Jesus that, that tracks all the way back to Abraham. And it's pretty cool. To us, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. To us, we skip over the genealogies because we don't, we, don't we don't respect them much. We're like, that's the boring stuff. When do we get to the real action? Uh, but to the people at the time, this was a very, very significant thing to read because it set up all the context. This first 17 verses that we didn't read today is the equivalent of the, the, the screen scroll at the beginning of the Star Wars movie. 
right? When you're reading it and you're anticipating it and you're like, oh, something awesome is going to happen in a galaxy far, far away. Here we go. And it's building up and you're getting up to this moment. That's what the genealogies have built this anticipation. And it's like, Jesus Christ, I know him. It's, it leads off with the book, and the, gene, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. So you're like, Jesus, I'm interested in Jesus. I'm interested in the Star Wars thing. What's going to happen? And then you read it and it's like, in a galaxy far, far away, son of Abraham, son of Judah, the father of Perez and Zara by Tamar and Perez, the son of Ram. And it goes and goes. And it's this scrolling thing. And all the way up to verse 18, you get to verse 18 and it says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. And then it cuts the scene. Right? But instead of a, instead of a spaceship flying by, there's like an angel like hovering by, right? And then, and then, and then you zoom in a little further and you come all the way down and Joseph is losing his mind. He's like, what happened? Pregnant by God. What? You know, cause you're expecting this person naturally gave birth to this person, gave birth to this. Like we know how that works, right? And so, so it's passing down and then you get to this one and you're like, wait a second, time out. Because something very, very different happened with this one. You know, it's kind of like Hickory Dickory. Yeah, nope, not Doc. Hickory Dickory Sam. That's exactly what they just experienced. Son of so-and-so, son and so-and-so, son and so-and-so, son and so-and-so, son of God. You're like, what? And so, so it's crazy. And that's the intensity of this moment and the intensity of these verses. And it comes out. And so what you see is you see a man who had a plan. He was betrothed to this Mary. And he had plans with Mary. Now, betrothal was significant. Betrothal was, was more than engagement. It was a legal agreement. They're basically married without consummation. They live in different places for a time that was decided between either the parents and the, and the bridegroom or, or between the families. But it's kind of like if Megan and I had been married, but we lived in separate homes and we were never intimate. That would be, that would be the betrothal time. And then upon consummation, that's when everything was finally recognized and, and there were some, some things around, uh, consummation that were also formal. But, um, but they were, they were living apart. And so when it says they hadn't come together, it means that they were still in their living apart time. But she was fully his wife, just lacking that final hurdle. And, and so here they were engaged, plan, or married basically, and, and thinking about it and planning about it, thinking about their life. Man, this is going to be great. Mary's such a rock star. Man, I chose a good woman. He's like, her family's good. She's good. She loves the Lord. She excelled in synagogue. The way she just, the way she ministers was extraordinary. I love this woman. And the only problem for, for Joseph is that God loved that woman too. <laughs> That's the only problem that he faced. He picked such a good woman and had such great plans for that woman. He didn't realize that God had plans for that woman also. And God's plans for that woman were God's plan also for Joseph. And so he's sitting here planning his life, thinking it through. Thinking about the time that he's going to go get his bride. That was a big deal. When the bridegroom came to get his bride, it was a huge deal. The bride would be anticipating. Can you imagine being married for a minute without being married? How much would you look forward to your spouse coming to get you? That's a little bit how we should be anticipating the coming back of Jesus. That we belong to him. We're married to him. We, we are the bride of Christ as the church together. We belong to him. And we, there should be a longing for him to come back. An anticipation of his presence and his nearness. 
But what we have is we have, we have Joseph having all these plans and Mary having all these plans. And then God goes and busts everything up. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure who told them or how he found out. But can you imagine that conversation? There was some stuff around the betrothed couple that the best friend was actually immediate, like would speak between them until, until they, until the bridegroom would come. And so I don't know if his best buddy, <laughs> not listed in this because Joseph killed him. <laughs> his best buddy's like, hey, got some good news and some bad news. Mary's doing well. She's been spending a lot of time with Jesus, with the Lord, not Jesus yet. Well, with Jesus. <laughs> She's, she's spent a lot of time with God. She's been spending time with the Father and things are, you know, it's just that she's pregnant with, and God put a baby in her. I spent more time than I should have looking for a gif that would accurately describe this moment. You know, kind of like, you know, like the what you talking about Willis look, you know, like, and, and, and just this like startled, like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what? The Holy Spirit put a a baby in my wife. Good story, bro. Die. (laughs) So, you know, at some point, Joseph and Mary would talk and it's like, so, so, so Mary about, about this baby. And she's crazy, right? And guess what? My cousin Elizabeth, the one who couldn't have baby, she's pregnant too. And Joseph's like, I really don't care. (laughs) Big deal. Old people get pregnant. It happens sometimes. I mean, were they doing it? That's, maybe that's why. Because we weren't doing it. And you're pregnant. <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. Pregnant. And I had nothing to do. So... What do you, it's not the plan. And I'm being humorous only because it hurts when God messes up your plan. He was trying to honor God. Mary was chosen because, of, because she found favor with God. Because of her love for God. Her honor for him. God knew that in Mary, he found a young woman he could trust. To birth and to raise Jesus before he could fend for himself. So did God forget about Joseph? Did he forget about Joseph's plan? Did he forget about Joseph's hope? What was God doing letting Joseph get this far down the field? Couldn't he have told Joseph when he was still a single man? (laughs) How many Josephs in here would have said yes? To that kind of plan. So, hey, Joseph, just want to let you know. I want you to propose to her, but I'm going to get her pregnant. You're not going to have anything to do with it. (laughs) Yeah, no, thank you. What Joseph perceived as the problem was actually the providence of God. God hadn't forgotten about Joseph. He hadn't forgotten about Mary. God knew exactly what he was doing. God let Joseph move in that direction and let him hope in that direction and plan in that direction. 
But it was all a divine setup. Again, we see this thing where God's up to something entirely different than what Joseph was up to. God is so often up to things that you and I don't realize he's up to. And when we run into a problem with the plan, you lose the job that you thought was going to provide forever. You get sick and, and it's, it, the recovery doesn't come. Athletes experience this all the time. An injury that doesn't allow them to play the sport they love. You encounter a problem and is it, a, is it just a problem? Is God just a bully on the playground kicking down sandcastles? Or is he doing something greater? Is he doing something grander? Not without regard for these individuals. He's looking to do a, a much grander, bigger thing, but he doesn't do it without regard for them. He sends messengers to him to let them know what it was. And what's cool is he gave them each other. Side note, he could have picked any virgin to bear Jesus. He could have picked any non-virgin to bear Jesus. He could have picked a man to bear Jesus. That would have been weird. <laughs> I mean, but while you're violating, you know, natural laws, I mean, he could have picked anyone. But he decided to do it within pretty much the order that he had established for mankind. That a man and woman would be the ideal place for God to, to, to protect and to provide for himself in infant form. He was going to subject himself to the system that he created. And he chose a man and his wife. Joseph wouldn't understand completely why. Maybe ever. We don't know when Joseph died. We don't know how old Jesus was. We don't know if he got to see his son at 12 reasoning in the temple and, and being wiser and smarter than everybody else or, or if he just had the difficult task of raising a, a toddler. We don't know these things about his life. And so, but we, we, we don't see any account of him at the cross. We assume that he was much older than Mary was and, and we, we, can, we can reason that. And so we can go, maybe, maybe he didn't make it. To see his son die and rise from the dead. Maybe all he had was the promise to go on. See, we don't read this very, very well because we, we know about Easter. Because we know that Jesus made it to the, to the manger. So we don't, we don't read this very well. But when the angel, when the angel came to him, but also when, when he got the news, it was just, it was just devastating news. And so, so his mind's turning over and over and over and he, and he's thinking, he's got this proposition. He's coming up with his own solution. And her husband, or in her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. During this betrothment period, before consummation, there was a time that there could be separation. But it wouldn't, but, but if he does this, everything's going to get found out. My, my, when I look at this, kind of as I wrestled with this this week, I came, I, I, I picture her not yet showing fully, but if he divorces her, everybody's going to know. Nazareth is not New York City. It's not even Sterling. It's a smaller community and people know each other and they see each other. They recognize one another. They know that Joseph and Mary are coming together. Everybody's looking forward to the party. Everybody's invited. 
And so you, you've got, you've got Joseph wrestling and thinking and, and going, okay, so, so I have every right to divorce her for being pregnant. But I believe her. I trust her. I trust this angel that this is, this came by the Holy Spirit, that this is a supernatural thing that occurred. That, that this, this, that it wasn't just a normal conception, but something was placed in her womb. Directly into her womb, supernaturally set in there. Cause his option, he had options on the table. The options for divorce were that he could have had her publicly stoned according to Deuteronomy 22, 23. Accused her of adultery, you lied. But he trusted her. He could have divorced her in public manner with a full and open trial. He could have divorced her quietly and privately and with only two witnesses, according to Numbers 5 uh, in, in 11 through 30. And he could have done any of those things. He had these options on the table. But then when he considered her life without him, when he considered the shame that would be put on her if he divorced her and everything was found out, who else would believe her? God's plans are so inconvenient. God didn't just choose Mary. He chose Joseph also. He chose Joseph knowing this about him, that he was a just man, he was a compassionate man, and he was a thinking man. Gentlemen, that's a great recipe to be used by God. Women as well. You see that, that he's, he, there's a, a righteousness and a steadfastness in his justice. You see that he's compassionate and that he wasn't willing to put Mary away. He wasn't willing to separate from her. So you see that he's a man who is, who, who's, who's got a significant place in his heart, that he loves, that he's passionate. And you see that he's thinking about this thing. What are my options? Why am I processing this? That he's not carried away just by his emotions, but he's a thinking man too. Because I'm sure that before the emotion came, that he didn't want to put her away. The first emotion was probably, oh, I'm going to put her away. can't be that's not the life i signed up for that's not that's not the the plan that i agreed to side note (laughs) in marriage you're marrying a person not a plan you're marrying a person not a plan and so you will see that god changes and shapes people's lives and god will change and shape your spouse and he'll form them and forge them into who he wants them to be because as much as you've got a plan for your spouse god has a plan for your spouse as well Everybody's like, dang, that was really quiet. Like, <laughs> or thinking about it, like, oh, maybe is that what's happening? <laughs> you want to say that God has a plan for my spouse? God has a plan for my spouse. Not just a plan to get you a spouse, but a plan for your spouse within your marriage as well. He doesn't just hand your spouse over to you and be like, nope, good luck. Do awesome with them. Make them into something great. No, no, he's, he's here with us. Changing us, transforming us, making us into who he wants us to be. You learn a lot about a man when he encounters difficulty. What about when his dream falls apart or his plan gets busted and shattered? What about when he spills coffee on his computer? <laughs> That happened to me this week. I got about 14 ounces of my 16 ounce coffee into my computer. 
I didn't even know there was that much room in my computer. It could be a lot smaller than it was. Right, and luckily I responded well, right? It was one of those things where it happened and you don't, like you forget about everything else in the world. So I'm like holding it up, shake the coffee out, turn it off right away. And then I look around and they're like these devastated faces like, no. And I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't cuss and like throw it into the wall. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm so glad I wouldn't have done that if I was at home either. Just so it's the same. It's good. You know, sometimes you're surprised. Have you ever been surprised at how well you responded to something? Anybody in here? You're like, man, I killed it. Awesome. And like there were people that, that my wife knows there in the coffee shop that I don't really know. <laughs> and then like I didn't realize it until it was like three quarters of the way done through this little saga. And I was like, saga. There, it was, that's just because I got a little drawl in saga is probably how some of people was it. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, wow. I, we know them kind of. Glad I did well because they know I'm a pastor. And so... Anyway, so how do you, Mike Tyson, I think I said this the other day. Everybody has a plan until somebody punches you in the mouth. And Joseph didn't just react emotionally. He didn't just act in his own self-defense, but because God knew the man that he was getting in Joseph, he, his, his move was one to protect, not one to defend himself. It was the one to defend his wife, one to protect his wife from the shame that would have been thrown at her if, if they had divorced. Let her take up that, let her take up that story all by herself. But as it is, by staying with her, it would just be thought that they consummated early. So even though, even though it wasn't, even, even though it wasn't maybe highest and best, it wasn't somebody out, it wasn't adultery, it wasn't something way outside of what was okay. So he had all these options, put her, have her stoned if, if it was adultery, divorce her in a public manner and just be like, she says, God put a baby in there. We'll leave this to a jury of our peers. <laughs> or he can accept God's plan as his own plan and let nobody know the difference. You ever, you ever agreed to the same plan, but still been divisive in it? We're going with this because it was their idea. <laughs> Instead of saying, we're going with this. This promise came as he's reasoning, as he's thinking, as he's wrestling, as he's fighting. The angel of the Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. I'm in this. The Holy Spirit has done this thing. God is in it. Don't fear. God's plan is scary. If you can get your mind around it, if you can figure out all the details, if you can, if you can measure the height and width and length, if you can figure out the number of steps, if you can figure out every little part of it, it's probably not God's plan. If it's, if the only obstacles that you can see are the ones that you can, if, if you think that the obstacles you see are the only obstacles that are going to be encountered, it's probably not God's plan. It's probably one of your own making. If you have to fight God for that plan, it's probably not his plan. 
If you're afraid to talk to God about that plan, it's probably not God's plan. It's like, a, like the redneck jokes, right? If you, <laughs> have you ever been to, afraid to talk to God about the plan that he has for you? Like you, you know the plan, you're just afraid he doesn't know it. So you don't want to talk to him about it. Have you ever had one of those things? Are any of you as creative as I am with God's plan for your life? Where it's like, I know this is God's plan for me, but I definitely don't want to talk to him about it because he might be wrong. He, God might not know that this is his plan for my life. So I'm just not going to, I'm just going to make sure that it happens on my own. Because that's the best way to accomplish God's plan for my life is by myself. Without him doing it or knowing about it, really. Does that, it, you, you feeling it? A great way to test that this is God's plan or not is your willingness to take it to God. And your will, willingness to hold it out in front of God's people. I've gone to J.C. Sherrod and Keith Temple and others, my, my, my parents at different stages, and, and said, hey, I believe this is God's plan for me. What, what do you think? And then what I love is when they say, let's take it to God. Let's see, what, what, let's see what's on God's mind. They're like, I like it, but let's make sure God likes it. Let's pray and lift it up. It's like, no, 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 let's, let's keep it right here. I've got you tricked. <laughs> I don't want God messing up his plan. <laughs> that we clearly agree is right. <laughs> we don't need to bring him in on that decision. What is the plan? that you feel like is the plan for your life and are you willing to take it to God? Whatever it is. The worst that could happen and he's like, good effort. You missed it. Let's, let's move this direction. Because he's always got something bigger. Grander, more exciting. Makes this promise all of these promises, man. I, I, the only thing I was grieved by this week was the amount of, in this amount of text, in this specific section, there's so much that could be said about this. And, and so I just want to encourage you, take time this week and, and reread these things and, and pray about it and, and, and wrestle with it and read your notes and go over it and, and be like, oh man, maybe God's doing something here. And man, I, I, I didn't even realize that this is, this is here and this is in my heart and, and wrestle with it. The only, the only problem with today is that we don't have enough time today. Even if we had all day today, we wouldn't have enough time. I'm not talking about an hour and 20 minute church service. I'm talking about 24 hours isn't enough time to plumb the depths of God's, God's heart for us in this passage and, and God, in seeing God work out this plan that he had promised for thousands of years. And, And so we have all week, we, we, we get to, we get to wrestle with it. So please, please, please do so. But we see that, he, so there are these promises that he's, that this, this son is going to be born. Don't be afraid to take her. It's from the Holy Spirit. She's going to bear a son and you're going to call him Jesus. That's your part. She's going to have a son. You're going to name him. And people are going to call him Emmanuel. And he's hearing it. And he's, and he's wrestling even with that. Am I going to trust God with my future? Am I going to trust this word? It feels completely unnatural. It feels exactly the opposite of the way that I want things to be or the way that I want it to go. 
Can I trust him in this? All of this was spoken so that the, to fulfill what the prophet of the Lord had spoken. And it speaks all the way back to Isaiah. And so all of this is, quote, you know, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And so, so this is a promise that's been made. And, and Joseph would have known the word. And, and, and so they're quoting this passage. It would have been a familiar passage because they're anticipating the coming of their Messiah. And, he's, and so the, the angel of the Lord uses what he has down inside of him because of the culture and the tradition and the hoping and the, and the anticipation. When we have the word of God down inside of us, God will use that word down inside of us to encourage us in the right direction because he's got a by, by knowing the word he had a vocabulary in his soul for god to use when he spoke to him now god will use any vocabulary he prefers to use this the word he prefers to use his words to speak to us but he'll use anything he'll use the movie sea biscuit he'll he'll use a movie he'll use he'll use animaniacs he'll use whatever the the, the movies and the media it is that you that you give yourself to there was a guy who came to me one time he was early in his walk with Jesus he goes man i was i was watching jerry springer and god spoke to me and i was like thank you jesus he's getting sanctified i was like and he turned off the tv and he went and read his bible and he goes no <laughs> and he's like he's like it's kind of like this really jacked up family that was on there. It's like this, and but God's this way. And, and he goes, and that's how it is. And I was like, but you turned it off, right? And he goes, no, God used it. And I'm like, no, God doesn't want to use Jerry Springer to speak to you. He wants to use other things to speak to you, but I guess he'll use anything, so dang. <laughs> right? But God speaks to me through Game of Thrones. There's better than Game of Thrones. It's like the spiritual battle. Yeah, it's all, it's here. You don't need a thought. You don't need the, 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 the HBO version. You've got high def right here. It is no more high def than our own imaginations. You know, I heard this really cool thing. And then I'll get back to this because I got one more. We're going to add another P. It's going to be, it's going to be good. I heard this thing on the radio. These people were arguing about whether or not, which, which is more powerful, words or pictures? Because a picture is worth a thousand words. But this person was arguing that words are more powerful than pictures because the picture tells us what we have to think. Right? If I showed you a picture of a banana, we all see the same banana. Could you just put up any picture on the screen? Doesn't have to be a banana. Any picture of anything. No pressure, right? Just anything that's in the database. Expand. If I describe, if, if I put this up, a picture's worth a thousand words because I could use a thousand words to describe this auditorium that we're looking at. That was an early graphic rendering of the, the, the sanctuary in Chantilly. And so, so by showing this, everybody, you can, you could put your own words to it. But what's cool about words is if I use words, your imagination has to create it. Right? So I went to St. Mary's Basilica in, in Krakow, Poland this, earlier this year. Built over 500 years ago. Stunning, remarkable. The colors in that, blue and gold. The ceilings were high. The, the highest ceilings I've ever seen. Higher, higher than this. And, and there was art all over all of it. Every tile is, has color splashed on it. And there are these monuments of, of Jesus and his life and his burial and his resurrection. Jesus at infant form. And it's carved into the walls. And it's got gold plating. And it's got, right? So if you're engaged with me right now, you're starting to picture things. And you're starting to draw a picture. So it's pretty cool. And that's the gift that we have in Scripture 
scripture because as we read it, we can engage it and not just, and not, and not just have it given to us the way somebody else imagines it to be. Now granted, it really all was a certain way. We don't, we're not creating our own reality when we read the Bible. It's like, well, I picture Jesus being this way. No, you can't, you can't create who he actually is, but we can imagine him as we, as we read the word. We can imagine Joseph and what Joseph went through. If we just take some time and imagine it, just think about this week. How did Joseph feel? Pretty cool, huh? So our imaginations are gifts that God has given us so that he can speak to us through his word, so that he can speak to us by his Holy Spirit, but so that, so that we can know him better and we can, we can engage with him in a, in a meaningful and significant way. So use your imagination when you're reading the Bible. God will sanctify your imagination and, 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 and he'll, he'll bring it in. I mean, there's some amazing battle scenes in scripture. You hear about a guy who fought so hard that his hand froze to the sword. Imagine that battle for a minute. You got Samson killing a whole bunch of people with the jawbone of a donkey. Imagine that for a minute if you like violence, right? Not so much. There's this really sweet scene where Jesus, you know, the drummer boy comes up to Jesus. That's not in the Bible. But there are sweet moments in the Bible. Like when the wise men sang Silent Night, that was a really rich moment. They, they sang it. <laughs> they came up singing their song, We Three Kings. That would be so funny if they like really did that, like down the street. You know, the shepherds were crazy. They like ran through the streets shouting it to everybody. And like the wise men came through and they're like, We Three Kings. Like that'd be, anyway, so imaginations are good. Um, hey, last P, Ready? So there was this promise. And then, and then get this. This is, this is just, okay, you ready? When, jo- when Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not till she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Joseph partnered with God. Many of us have heard the promise, but we're sleeping on it. We're sleeping on it. You've heard this promise for a transformed life, but you're sleeping on it. You're afraid to engage in it because you don't know what's on the other side of the pain that you're in. You don't know what's on the other side of the unforgiveness that you're so easily able to hold on to. You don't know what's on the other side, so you're still sleeping on the promise that was made by God. He woke up from this dream and did what he could do so God could do what only he could do. Today, what we have is an invitation to hear the promises of God and to wake up and to partner with God and to walk in the reality of the power of God's ability to see something through to the end. Joseph didn't get to see it completed. He didn't get to see it finalized. But all of us are beneficiaries of the decisions that he made. Let's wake up, Grace Covenant. Let's wake up to the promises of God. Let's lay hold of the promises of God this Christmas. Let's seek out the promises of God. I'm not talking about a Bentley. I'm not talking about a bigger paycheck. That just brings more problem. I'm talking about walking into the purposes of God. I'm talking about seeking out his promises and finding out who is God and what is his purpose and what is his purpose for me inside of his grand purpose. 
What is God's plan and purpose for my marriage? What is God's plan for my parenting? What is God's plan for my kids? What is God's plan for my friendships? What is God's plan for my resources and the provision that he's given to me? What is God's plan? So that we can wake up and then walk in the reality of his plan and purpose. I'm ready to wake up. I'm ready to wake up and lay hold of these promises. To live according to what's possible instead of what has always been. Yes, life has always been that way, Joseph, but you were also single. I'm offering you something far greater. Not just the, not the marriage part, the partnering with me and protecting and providing for Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would wake us up. Wake us up to the reality of your kingdom, to the reality of your purpose, to the reality of your peace, to the reality of your nearness and your closeness to us, God. Wake us up to the promise of eternal life. Wake us up to the promise of being sons and daughters. Wake us up. To the reality of a kingdom of peace on this earth. Wake us up. Give us the courage, God, to partner with you. To do the little that we can do. So that you can do the extraordinary that only you can do. Show us where in our lives we need to speak the name of Jesus. Show us where in our lives we need to speak your name over it so that it can be redeemed. Give us the courage to partner with you, God. So that we could know you behold you love and be loved by you God I ask that every time we see a nativity in this season every time we see a star drawn on a window in a store every time we hear a Christmas carol even every time somebody says happy holidays we would be reminded of your great purposes. We would be reminded of your great plan. We would be reminded of your invitation to us to participate in your great work. I want to do something a little different today than a, than a standard, all, like a standard moment of response. I want to tell you that if, if you are if you have not had a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to come forward after the service and talk to someone. Say, I'm ready. I want, I want this relationship with Jesus. I've been living life my own way. My own part of the, the dream for me is this, this eternal life that Pastor David was talking about. I, I want it. I want to lay hold of it. I want it. I want it all today. Come up front. Somebody wants to pray with you. But I want to pray for all of us who have had um, 
who need to wake up to the promises of God. You've had things that you've been afraid to hold before him. I'm going to pray that you would have the courage to hold it in front of him. And then for those of us who already know what God's plan and purpose is, we've just been afraid to wake up to it. I want to pray for that also. Amen. So whichever, whichever boat you, whichever boat you're in, I, I assume that most of us are in one or both of those boats in one respect or another. I ask you to join me in praying. Father, in the name of Jesus, I hold my heart before you and I trust you with it. Where I've had my own plans, I've been afraid to shine your light on it. I've been afraid to expose it to the light because honestly, I, I haven't trusted you. I haven't, I haven't trusted you to be tender to me, to care for me, to even have my best interest in mind, to protect me. I, I haven't trusted that maybe even you've got a better plan than the one that I've come up with. And I'm, I've been scared, but today, God, I hold it in front of you. I hold up this relationship. I hold up this job. I hold up this career path. I hold up the, these, these resources. I hold up my children. I hold up my spouse. I hold up my education. I hold up my addiction. I hold up my fear, my pain, my insecurity. I hold up my pride before you, Jesus, today. I hold up my my sadness. I even hold up my joy. God, I ask that you would sort between what is mine and what is yours. Today, I choose to trust you. And God, for those of us who have heard your voice, we've heard a glimpse of your plan already. God, I ask that you would wake us up. That you would give us the courage to follow and obey. You would give us the courage to set down what's in our hands and to pick up the thing that you have for us. That we would be pleased, willing, courageous, brave enough to give up the things that that we hunger for so badly so that we could have the thing that you want us to have. We could give up our dream for your dream wake up and do yours. In Jesus' name.